When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. On today's show, you'll be hearing from the chairman of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, Alex Hurst, as the organisation's move to get fans to contact their local MPs sees more than 5,500 letters sent. We'll also be talking to Alex about his phone call with Amanda Staveley. But first, Kieran Kelly is up to talk about what happens next with the Newcastle United takeover. All that and much more on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Joined by Kieran Kelly. Kieran, it's now been a week since the Newcastle United takeover broke down. It seems, well, I can't work out whether it's gone quickly or it's gone slowly, but can you just sum up for you your feelings of the last week? As is typical with Newcastle, it hasn't died of death, so to speak. There's been lots to cover, lots to write about, lots to talk about. It's just been typical Newcastle, hasn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's been a strange one. I think uh, all of us, certainly um, journalists, uh, those 24 hours after last Thursday were uh, uh, so deflating. And um, yeah, it's been strange the picture since. I've never really known a takeover when it's collapsed for so many different parties to still be so committed in theory, to still be speaking quite positively. Uh, certainly in any field, let alone football, I don't think I've come across this. Um, and while that's certainly encouraging, you. You just wonder what the next step is. I think it's been really hardening to see how um, uh, the NUST have, have obviously had such an, an uptake in membership. We're seeing so many MPs kind of getting on board. And I think there are legitimate questions with regard to the Premier League's transparency. I think it is important to to get some sort of an answer. I know, um, you know, there's, there's perhaps a reason why they've not commented yet, why they haven't commented at all throughout this, but... Um, I think for the fans who um, who back this product, that's massively inverted commas, uh, you know, the Premier League product. Um, I think it's really important that they get some kind of um, feeling, and I think through the trust, that's that's probably the best channel for that. And um, you know, I think that that is the first step. And you know, who knows what can happen going forward? But yeah, it's been a really strange week because. Um, as you said, I don't think we feel that it's it's dead. Um, and while that, we're we're obviously really keen not to maintain any kind of false hope. You you do have the, all the parties, whether it's Mike Ashley, whether it's uh, the PIF, whether it's uh, the Rubin brothers, whether it's uh, Amanda Staveley. They're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet. So it's it's quite intriguing, also very confusing. It is indeed. You wrote on Tuesday that the PFI was still keen to get this deal through. We saw the Ruben Brothers on the, on Monday come out with a statement. Um, we even saw Arab News in Saudi Arabia come out with it with the first article on the takeover over the, the weekend yeah. as well, which was quite bizarre given that those three that we've just mentioned there are usually very private. You know, we, we hadn't heard anything really from the PIF 
Um, yeah. We will process the Ruben brothers again. We're very quiet, and they are known for being quiet. Um, I think the last time the Ruben brothers did an interview was about 14 years ago. So <laughs> for them all to come out over the space of three or four days, you can see why maybe there's still a bit of hope that this can go through. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, really, because uh, when the formal statement came out last Thursday, the joint statement, it was basically said to me, I said, oh, you know, does this mean that things are dead then? And it was put to me, well, we haven't commented at all throughout this process when there have been plenty of times where things need to be clarified and we're coming out now. And is that not telling? And they basically been insisted to me it wasn't a negotiating tactic, but um, you've seen kind of how on a, a daily basis there's nearly been a new statement. So we saw on Friday, to be fair, in Newcastle that came out uh, Lee Charney said Mike Ashley was still committed. Uh, we saw Stavey's interview on the Thursday night uh, with The Athletic. We saw, um, you know, a, a couple of days ago, um, the statement on behalf of the Rubin brothers. And then, of course, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, the, the PIF, um, they remain keen. That's what it's been put to me. But the key is that there will have to be a change with, with this process. You know, the Premier League would would have to um, basically give it the green light. I, I, they won't want to come back for, for nothing again. And all of it points to, you know, with the combined effort of the fan base who are, um, you know, being very constructive, as I said, through this trust. And um, we've seen a lot of cross-party support from MPs. You just wonder what what's going to happen next. And I think we're all kind of wondering, will the Premier League break cover? Because... I think what complicates this a bit is, um, you know, the buyers did withdraw. In, in theory, the Premier League are in, under no obligation to explain when it's the buyers who have withdrawn. The buyers argument will be, well, we withdrew because of X, Y, Z, and it's up to the Premier League to explain that. But uh, the Premier League, you know, they can just put their fingers in their ears, <laughs> as, as mad as it sounds. So it will be telling when... Um, Inevitably, Richard Masters will appear before a camera before the new season starts. And remarkably, that's not long away. And whether he sticks to that kind of strict no comment or whether there might be little illusions in there. We saw with uh, the parliamentary committee how, uh, quite tellingly, one of the few things he said um, that didn't sound like a robot, to be fair to him, was uh, he'd like takeovers to happen cleanly, clearly, and in a uh, kind of timely fashion. And that almost felt like a a real reference to, to this process. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 I've never known from start to finish a, a story like this really. And I, I don't think it's done, uh, but it's just whether, what, what really is to happen next. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows. This is going to sound strange for a journalist to say, but I just want to ask you about this running commentary. So obviously we had the joint statement last Thursday, which said, you know, We've withdrawn the offer. Um, this is why COVID nineteen, the time it's taken, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then since then, like you've just mentioned, we've had countless. Uh, we've had interviews, or we've had sources. And I'd just playing devil devil's advocate, one would maybe argue that why not just leave it at that joint statement? And if you are genuinely still interested, then work on it behind, you know closed doors and let let it play out there why do you think it, it's we have got this running commentary um even after that that large and you know well-written joint statement yeah it's valid and i mean 
part of me wonders as well, but I, I think it's almost that, to be fair, that as much as this kind of has been in the public domain over the past few months, it's, it's not played out publicly like previous takeovers. You know, to be fair to the parties, they, they all stayed silent throughout, whether it was Ashley, whether it was uh, PIF, Stavely, the Rubin brothers. And it was only when, um, as you said, that statement came out that they kind of broke cover, as it were, and it, it's basically open season again. And I think um, really just points to, uh, it, it does feel like a tactic to, to pressure the Premier League uh, one way or the other to, to try and get some sort of a breakthrough, um, whether it's publicising why the Premier League have, have may have couldn't come to a decision, I uh, should stress that, or somehow that they, they all come around the table again. But, um, you know, it, it's, it still feels quite high stakes. It, it's, it's a bit of a gamble maybe to, to be doing that, but evidently, um, certainly the PIF, who are the key, the key part of this, because I know a lot of people have said maybe, why don't the Rubens and Stavely just go in together again? But... Uh, it's one thing, you know, raising 300 million. It's another than having the sustained investment to do what they want to do. So they want to invest in the team, the academy, the infrastructure, and they also want to support the local area as well. And that is going to take a lot of money. Uh, the Rubens, it's always been quite telling that they've not uh, wanted the the biggest stake when they've gone in. You know, the, this time they would have only taken a 10% previously. It obviously was a bit more, but it wasn't like an 80% stake. So... Um, it's it's really complicated, and um, no, I, I I think we, for our own sake, it's it's a balance. Really, I think we we want to just have that bit of clarity and, and know where Newcastle are going. But part of me feels that this will be in the background for another six months, and it's just whether it'll be done in that quite a quiet fashion and without us really knowing, or whether it, this is going to continue to kind of play out a bit in public and. Yeah, I think Ashley, he's always said, you know, um, uh, if you hear about it before it's done, it usually doesn't get done. Um, and I think he'd be keen for this not to become just a, a public exercise. You mentioned the NUST. We're going to hear from Alex Hurst, the chair of the Sports Trust, in a little while. They've had enormous success over the last 24 hours with their uh, scheme where people can essentially just put in a few deals and their local MP will get a letter, um, a ready written letter discussing the takeover. And it seems, well, it doesn't seem, a lot of MPs have acted on this and both Tory and Labour MPs, which is, I think, is which is speaks for itself about how important this is to the North East as well. There is a real united front. Um, but like you say, the Premier League can just stick their fingers in the ears and, and you know, yes, you know, we've got, I think, 15, 16 MPs have written a letter. We've got the local council as well, all sending letters to the, the Premier League. But at the end of the day, the Premier League are on, under no obligation to, to address any of this. No, no, like I said, it's, um, you know, even if this hadn't have gone through, if the Premier League had failed it, uh, the argument could be bizarrely they, they wouldn't have had to. I mean, it's, it's rare they do make statements on takeovers. I think, you know, the Southampton one, that went on for eight months of people not necessarily knowing what was going on. And it was only when it went through that the Premier League released a very short uh, spokesman statement. So um, 
I, I just, yeah, I just have, I, I would personally be surprised, you know, they, they didn't feel the need to comment that this was all legit when it first kind of came, um, you know, first kind of came into the open a few months ago. Uh, they didn't comment naturally during the process and they didn't feel the need to comment when the buyers withdrew. So it's going to take some kind of real shift for them to feel that they're, they're going to need to make a statement. Um, you have to remember as well, you know, the, the government all the way through have insisted they're not going to get involved. Uh, people have been in touch with the digital culture, uh, media and sport department since this broke down. And, you know, the sports minister there is still very much of that view that has nothing to do with them. They're not going to get involved. So it will really be interesting to see what it would take for the Premier League to, to feel the need to comment on, you know, that, that idea of transparency. But when you're having, even on the other side, you're seeing obviously Amnesty International, who, in my opinion, quite rightly are bringing up the point that, um, you know, humans, human rights should be looked at nearly as seriously. You know, in my head, that's a more serious issue than some of the other things that have been mentioned. But that almost gets looked at as maybe the third or fourth issue in this kind of uh, of the issues. And um, yeah, it's 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 funny. It, it, you, we thought, you know. Maybe that will give us a bit of clarity that joint statement on Thursday. It's probably raised more questions about what happens next. It certainly has. And I think one thing that might come out of this in the long term is that that owners and directors test will probably get switched and changed around to <laughs> maybe reflect, as you say, the, the, the statement from Amnesty, where the human rights issue is literally third or fourth down the list. And, you know, that is, and Newcastle fans probably don't want to hear that, but, you know, that is something that should have maybe been taken into consideration. Um, you mentioned that this could play out for a few months yet. What, what What's your gut telling you? I mean, <laughs> do you think... Well, let's start with a simple question. Um, and, of course, you haven't got a crystal ball, but I'm oh going to anyway. 2021, do you think Mike Ashley will still be in charge? Because there's talks of other buyers uh, yeah. in, interested. Obviously, we've got the three uh, parties here still very interested in Newcastle. Um, do you think you'll still be in charge come the new year? Do you mean January or July 2021? <laughs> I'll let you pick. I didn't mean January, but I think we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see it at the end of next season. What do you think you'll still be in, in charge? I think what I'll take from from all this, and this has probably been one of the biggest positives, is um I think for a long time fans have maybe thought he is an Owen seller, and then this is you know overwhelming proof that that he is and when you look at what his reputation was, where his reputation was around that time where, you know, sports direct staff were having to come in potentially when the pandemic was going on and his reputation was at such a low. I don't think this has helped his reputation, but I think Newcastle fans at least know that he wants rid, uh, he, he wants to sell the club. And when he, that you know, that, that line that used to come out a lot with Ashley, he wants to sell to, to someone who would take the club forward. I do believe he, he would have felt that this was the right group to do that. And both in the investment they're planning for the club, 250 million over five seasons during a pandemic. Uh, that's not bad, is it? Uh, with the infrastructure being redeveloped, you know, things that fans have wanted for a while. 
and then the fact that the region during a tough time would, would get a timely boost as well you know it, it it felt like you know not always these takeovers do you feel that um you know there there would be that such a such a sea change that huge kind of transformative effect um and i know it carried a lot of problems that newcastle were being pulled into realms that we never thought we'd write about but um it, it did feel like it was going to be a real move forward and i think that's been the frustration for fans you know they're one one signature away as it were from from that but i would say yeah yeah i mean we we don't know what will happen uh in, in the next few months let alone 2021 but i think what i will take from this is uh you know ashley particularly with this pandemic with no gate receipts television money changes um it's not really in his interest to hold on to it for too long when his other businesses are taking hit if he can get 300 million in one hit um during a pandemic i don't think there are many other billionaires who who have that kind of uh option right now so uh I, I, that's what i take from this that at least the fans know that that you know their their efforts over the years Coupled with this pandemic, he, he clearly wants out. Scrap 2021. Let's concentrate <laughs> finally on the here and now. Then we've seen thousands of people send letters to their MPs. We've seen more than a dozen MPs send letters to the Premier League, the local council. We've seen the trust grow and grow in numbers of people joining the organisation. And we've seen fan groups unite with one each other, with, with each other. You know, united is really the key message coming out of this. What impact, though, do you think it's going to have? Speaking to Alex, and we'll hear his interview in a moment, he thinks it's, there's, there's potential to have a really positive impact. Um, for you, Kieran, what's the, so the best outcome, I assume, would be this gets passed. You know, <laughs> this, this, you know the takeover gets passed. I don't think that's realistic. I think they're obviously going to have to sit back around the table. They're going to have to iron out whatever issues yeah. are there. In the short term what impact will the last week because there is unrelenting pressure at the moment isn't it? this is unprecedented in many ways yeah. what impact do you think that's going to have i think there are two two takeaways for me the first i think it's just great to see the fan base sometimes can be a bit fragmented online i think it's natural everyone has their own viewpoints on things whether it's tactics or how the club should be run but I think what you are seeing, particularly with behind the trust, is people coming together. And yes, it's taken out something something negative to do that. But I think that has been heartening for me that you are seeing such a, an uptake in the trust. You know, that thousands of new members in the space of a few days. I don't think there are any trusts in the Premier League who, who can compare with that. Um, and it feels like something is is stirring there, and that that's really encouraging for me. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the the immediate issue, I think if we got a statement from the Premier League, if if the trust could could um, you know they've they've previously spoken to um, Bill Bush before, they they have clear um, you know good relations there. That if they could somehow get know sat down with these people and, and just to be able to to put some questions to them um you know it does feel to me like that would be the, the most natural way through for both supporters and for everyone else is that the trust could be that link but um yeah i think for me that it's, it's true what you say i think 
I don't think it, it might be that realistic just to expect that Premier League will relent in, in, in passing this. But I think if we could get some idea of where they were coming from, people could process that. Because let's be honest, we've only heard from one side. Um, everyone has their own interest in this. But when you're only hearing one side, however right they might be or whatever their opinion, we, we do need to hear the Premier League's view as well. Because obviously there are issues here. No matter what people might say, uh, the idea that uh, piracy isn't an issue, it is. Um, and this um, trying to establish the uh, link between state and PIF, I think that is an issue as well. So for this to work, I think going forward, yes, the Premier League might need to compromise a bit, but also the, the buying party have to, have to iron out those things as well because... Um, they're, they're key issues. You always do this. I say finally, then I think we've got more <laughs> on the back of what you've just said there. Um, I mean, the Premier League have been accused of a few things where you would expect, if this wasn't in football and, and, and a, you know, a business or an organisation that had been accused of certain things, they, they would usually respond. So the Premier League's reputation in many ways, it's not on the line, but there are accusations which you would think they'd want to address um, you know, the, the accusation that they try to make the state of Saudi um, on the board of Newcastle is one. And yeah. the fact that, um, according to sources, in uh, from across the Staley reporting, certain media outlets that, you know, they, they were promised at least twice that the deal would be passed before the before it went to the Premier League. And then uh, a few weeks into the, the tests that it would be passed, it would be given the green light. Um you know, if you're sitting at the Premier League, surely you, you want to address those accusations, don't you? Well, yeah. Perhaps it's been quite telling that they haven't felt the need because that, that came out Thursday night, didn't it? And we're a week on now. And I, I, it's genuine, I get the feeling that they're, they're almost prepared to ride it out as much as they can and that they'd rather... That's why I see the trust as kind of the really interesting aspect here because... That's obviously a body who can come to this very um, very calmly, if you like, and that the Premier League have already interacted with them, know what they're about, and it can be a very constructive conversation. Um, I think that's the way forward personally for me. Um, I don't think the Premier League, I think we've, we've known over the past few months, they've they've not felt a push to, to make a statement. You know, when you think of the, the comments that, you know, they were already getting going back three weeks ago or when this process was going on beyond the the usual three or four weeks that it typically takes. Um, they weren't moved by that either. So they're, they're obviously able to kind of cocoon themselves and um, that's why they they probably haven't felt the need to comment. But um, yeah, you, you just, I would be surprised. I mean, like I said, Masters will be in front of a camera at some point before uh, the season starts. If he's going to be asked about it, if he, if he says literally no comment, then that's a surprise to me. I think there, there will surely be a little inkling in there. But for me, I, I do think, as I said, the trust that that could be a really constructive way forward to at least get some kind of an answer because... Um, I don't think in a conventional way it's it's going to come out. Who knows? And just finally, I promise you, this is the final question before we hear from Alex from the NUST. Let's just say hypothetically, if 
the Premier League uh, said, right, these are the issues, ABC, they were made it clear to the buying parties that this were the issues. From what you're hearing, do you think they would come back to the table? If it, is, that, is that the issue, do you think, that things weren't maybe clear enough and we just need to be, sit down and say, look, ABC, here's the issues, here's how we want them sorted or, or how can you solve them, that, that kind of thing. Just a bit more clarity between the two parties. Well, part of me would, would worry that if, if that's the issue and they've been around the table, virtual table, admittedly for four months, that how can it just dissolve like that then? You know, I, the, this 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 wasn't an, an impulsive decision, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, the last Thursday, you know, the point that was made to me was they felt they'd answered all the questions the buyers that is and they just felt that there wasn't an end game there wasn't an end point on the horizon that probably just kept coming back with questions and uh, they effectively got to the end of their tether and for me given the the dedication and commitment of the buyers in in all the the research and groundwork they've done over the years yes it's been four months but to me it just felt a bit like well You've worked so hard to get to this point. Was there any way you could just just push it or somehow get it over the line, as it were? Um, that's what I found a bit jarring as well. You know, I, I think that's you know they're within the rights to walk away, but the commitment is still there. They're still keen, so it, it seems to me that the Premier League are going to have to move towards them rather than them necessarily moving towards the Premier League and just. Yeah, the, the sense from the Premier League that uh, they're not necessarily going to bend for for uh, someone coming in. They obviously have their principles. They've been so hard on privacy, uh, sorry, piracy for so long. Um, that has to be sorted, you know. You, you, I know people are, are wondering why it's such a big issue, but it's, it's Premier League have been hurt by it. Their broadcasters have been affected by it. In times like this where there's no gate receipts, that is such an important thing. Um, and then the, the Saudi uh, director issue, you know, um, had maybe the Man City takeover happen now, there could have been issues there. It's, it's a very different time for the owners and directors test that, at the moment. And, um, you know, to... They maintained they, they had assurances from the highest possible level about the relationship between PIF and, and how this was worked with the Premier League. According to the buyers, believed that it would be the the state and the government who would be the ultimate beneficial owner. So it's it's unbelievable, messy. Like once you look at one issue, and then you look at the other, and you're it's you can see why, in my opinion, anyway, you can see why the Premier League have have found this tricky to say the least. Um, um, they're not issue. They're not easy issues to kind of square, and, and in some ways, you know, that's why this could rumble on. I don't think this is a case that in a month everything's going to be ready to go again. You know, I think this, this is a serious, serious thing that um, they have to readdress a lot of things on both sides. But yeah, it's you just don't know what can happen. <laughs> no, I mean, and as we speak, another MP. Um, Anne-Marie Trillin, who's the MP for Berwick-upon-Tweed, has sent off a, another letter to Richard Masters. So that's another MP to add to the list. And 
we suspect there'll be a few more yet to come and it's certainly going to be interesting to see um, the Premier League's reaction. Obviously, they've, they've met the day annual general meeting. A few rules have been um, sorted out. We'll finish on that note, uh, um, lighter note. Clubs can no longer use five substitutions <laughs> during the game. They can have an extra body though on the bench. It's gone up to seven. Um, the right decision? The argument is that teams with lesser squads have been impacted during games because the likes of Man City can bring, yeah. you know, Jesus off the bench and replace Aguero, you know. So, right decision for you? Yeah, I, I, I kind of was a little bit surprised that it was going to continue into this season. I thought it was it was actually fair enough for the, the uh, restart because that was, you know, your cliche and unprecedented situation. But um, I think... As much as they've, they'll only have a short turnaround this summer before coming back again, um, you know the the players are, you know they they won't be playing. It. I, well, I hope they won't anyway. Be playing every two days again, uh, every three days, uh, every week. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a really packed schedule. But um, I think it's it's clear that yeah, you know. <laughs> Newcastle make five substitutes and Man City make five substitutes. There's obviously a natural difference there. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's an obvious decision to make. There we have it, Kieran. Thank you very much for joining us. If you stick with us, you'll hear from Alex Hurst of NUST after the short break. Joined here by Alex Hurst of the NUST. Alex, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you've had a busy few days. Um, you seem to be racking up the uh, media appearances. Yeah, I only speak to the most important podcast, Andrew. You know that, so I can always make time for, for everything is black and white. But yeah, it's been it's been a bit crazy ever since last Thursday, really, and the the news broke. It's been a week, hasn't it, since the news broke? I, I can't work out whether it's gone really fast or it's gone really slowly, but things are still moving. The story's still moving, and we've got you on today to talk about the work of the NUST and specifically the letter scheme. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it that you guys have set up where people can go onto the website and they can simply just put in a few details and their MP will be sent a letter regarding the Newcastle United takeover. Um, now, it has just gone two o'clock here on the 6th of August and it's over 5,500 letters have been sent so far. Um, were you expecting that response, that sign-up rate? No, I weren't, although I should, I should uh, start adjusting my expectations of our members and Newcastle fans. Uh, we, we were hoping to get a thousand, really, um, maybe more than that. Um, I mean, that's a lot of letters to a lot of MPs, and you know, I've had several MPs in touch with me because of it. Um, yeah, what, what we're trying to do here, and it, it goes back to to the call I had with Amanda Stavely on Saturday, where you know we, we talked about stuff that's been covered by you know, for you know yourselves and the Chronicle and other outlets about why the deal had supposedly broken down and. And, and, and there's definitely a feeling from her as well as us that the Premier League just don't give any answers that the around you know the buyers don't understand why the Premier League have behaved that they have, um, and, and we as fans, regardless of the rights or wrongs of, of of whether these people should own the football, and our members are emphatic in the belief that they should. The fact the fact that they kept the process going 17 weeks and just haven't made a decision is damning and, and there is no transparency in this process and this process seems to belong only to the Premier League and to nobody else and it really raises the question who is the Premier League for? 
because without us as football fans, there wouldn't be a takeover, there wouldn't be a Premier League. And, you know, I firmly believe this is something that, that mustn't happen again, whether it's Newcastle United or, or any other club. So is that the key? If For someone listening to this who hasn't signed up yet and has kind of missed the whole story, can you just explain to them what you're hoping to achieve, what the Trust is hoping to achieve with this letter scheme that you guys have launched? Yes, in an ideal world, uh, we would like cross-party representation as a united front of Northeast MPs to go to the Premier League and say, we represent two million people in this region and there is, forget about football for a minute, there is there was talk of hundreds of millions of pounds of investment in infrastructure, in housing, and yes, in a football club in this region. That doesn't just benefit Newcastle as a city and as a football club. It benefits everybody who lives between Berwick and the River Tees and beyond even. So we want MPs to come together. And to be fair, I think we've got about 16 MPs so far of the 29 in the Northeast who have, who have actually written to the Premier League and Richard Masters on their own behalf. Asking Francis, and it's one thing your inbox piling up, piling up with a load of football fans. We got elected um, members of parliament asking you for, you know, th- th- let's be clear as well. The MPs are not saying approve the sale, they're saying my constituents, the fans of Newcastle United, the people of the Northeast, they deserve some transparency on what's going on. This is a decision which, which affects millions of people. Um, whether, like I said, regardless of whether you live in the Northeast, of course, the fans of Newcastle United are going to be particularly interested in. I'd imagine you only have fans of Newcastle, you know, listen to this podcast. But what's been great is speaking to some, some MPs. You know, we've got we've got the MP for Washington Sunderland West. And that, like tribal allegiances aside, the fact that she has decided to get on board of this is great, and I've got so much respect for her doing that because, like, it, it goes beyond football. It's about democracy and it's about transparency. So, the, the aim for anyone listening who hasn't signed up to the trust or hasn't visited the link where you only have to put in your name, email address and postcode and a, a template letter from, from myself to your MP um, will go in your name. You can amend the letter as well. Automatically, you don't have to look up your MP's email address or anything like that. It takes, we think, about 17 seconds, um, something like that on average. So it's something that's easily done. And the effects are there to see already. So if we can keep those numbers growing, you know, beyond the five and a half thousand you've just talked about there, the impact will grow as well. And the fact that well over half of MPs in the Northeast, and by the way, regardless of political allegiance, we've got Conservatives, we've got Labour um, on board with this. It, it, it's a great story, I think, for just people power and, and, and being united. And I just want to reiterate, this isn't us saying approve the sale. It isn't us saying you need to let these guys buy the club. It's us saying, can we have some transparency on what's going on? One thing that has stood out, like you say, there is the kind of the cross-party uh, agreement of, of Northeast MPs. Um, I think, which is which is great to see. Um, you mentioned there, this is not about getting the sale approved. Is there any hope? Do you think? Because obviously, when uh, when Amanda Staley spoke to the outlet, she she mentioned the fact that the fans now need to, you know, raise their voices and now need to make themselves heard. Is there any hope that you think that maybe Amanda Staley thinks that this could change the outcome? of the potential sale of Newcastle United? Yes, I do. And, and that's what she said to me. And she made a fantastic point that, you know, in terms of this takeover of Newcastle United, you've got a willing buyer. We know that. For the first time, potentially, and, and it's always been a bit of a, a flashpoint for fans, we definitely have a willing seller. And we'll have a willing fan base on the whole. The vast majority, in fact, although not every fan. So so how how the Premier League can't get around that? And, and, and according to Amanda, 
you know, she said they've done everything asked of them, everything, absolutely everything. Piracy, they've come to them on piracy and they will argue that, you know, the people who want to invest in Cassie United, piracy's got nothing to do with them. They're a separate company, but they've, they've, they've done what they can. They've made the changes. And it, there's such a willingness to get it done. And I think that with, with Amanda's frustration that they can't get answers, they don't understand why the Premier League have asked what they've asked now in terms of asking effectively the state of Saudi Arabia to be a director of a football club. If we can get some answers through our MPs about what has happened, it might help the buyers do what they need to do to satisfy the Premier League. It might, it might show the Premier League that actually, um, you know, this decision is about us. It's not just about you and the top six clubs, and particularly Liverpool Spurs and Arsenal, who seem to be dead against it. So I, I do think that, and I'm making no promises, and I'm not trying to give people false hope. I'm, I'm a fan like everybody else. Um, our purpose here is to try and bring fans together, though, as well. And we think we've done that in a in a good way. You know, our membership has surged to fourteen thousand paying members, which is which is tremendous. Um, you know, that's that's an increase to fourteen thousand. In well, when did we kick it back off again? Um, January twenty nineteen, the day after the day after we beat Man City at home under Rafa. Um, so you know, if, if we can do what we've done as a trust and, and as a fan base, you know, imagine what. Imagine what the region can do, and with all the MPs behind it, we, we, I really believe the Premier League will have to give us, and therefore the buyers, um, some transparency and some some idea of, of, of where this process needs to go. And of course, you've got the City Council as well on board. Letters have been written on their behalf as well and sent to the Premier League. You know, it doesn't seem to be going away, um, and... Obviously, the Ruben brothers with their statement talking about the investment into the city. Um, at the very least, like you've kind of alluded to there, the Premier League are, are going to have to address this bad publicity, essentially, that is coming at them from all angles. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, I speak to, in this process, I've spoken to MPs, I've spoken to people within government who, who have used the word the Premier League or a loan to themselves. They're almost... They're almost like a separate, you know, entity to the rest of the country, such as their power and their, their influence across the world. And and like I said before, this isn't just about Newcastle United. What if this happens to West Ham or you know Aston Villa or or someone like that? And then you know the, there is a real fear, and I'm not saying this is fact because I don't know, but there is a real fear that if anyone tries to take over a Premier League club, if certain teams who are used to qualifying for Europe every season and playing in the Champions League and playing European football, if they decide actually now, that's not okay. This is a real threat to us. We're going to try and stop it going through. You know, that, that then it's almost pointless being involved in this game. It's already a massively uh, unlevel playing field in terms of the finances available. If, if other clubs can, can not only beat you on the pitch, but decide who owns you off it, then, then you know, there's massive questions to be asked for the Premier League. And just to be clear, again, I'm not saying that's a fact, but by the silence of the Premier League, by the fact that they won't give answers to both the buyers, us, the media, um, it creates this kind of atmosphere of distrust and conspiracy theories arise and stuff like that. So it's in the Premier League's interest, like you say, to start talking. Let's speak hypothetically. The Premier League do come out and they list their reasons to why the deal was taking so long. You know, if they mention the, from reports, you know, the lack of clarity between who's going to be in charge from the PIF and the Saudi government, they mentioned perhaps piracy. Um, what would your step be next? I mean, of course, we are speaking hypothetically. We don't know what the Premier League will say, if at all. But if they do come out and give a list of reasons, what would the trust do next? Do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say because without knowing those reasons, I mean, like we're a member organisation. So first thing we do in any 
any instances, go back to the members and take feedback from them. What do you think? And obviously on an individual basis, we can't, but in terms of getting, you know, huge majorities of opinion, we can pursue whatever the members decide. I, th- I think if the Premier League were to come out and do that and be clear and transparent and say, not only is this is, you know, this is why it's taken so long, but they've effectively failed the test until these conditions can be met. That just gives everyone, fans, the, the football club itself now and the people who work there, you know, right up to Steve Bruce um, and the buyers, some clarity on what happens next. Then, then I suppose it's very much over to the buyers, isn't it? It's not so much about what we do. That would be then, and, and you know, I'd love to stay in contact with Amanda Stavely um, and, you know, hopefully we could speak to her about that or we could hear about it through you guys and, and, and other outlets. So, yeah, that, 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 that is very hypothetical and I think it's more than just the Premier League's response to that which would dictate what we do next. Has Amanda been back in touch with you since you've launched this initiative to say, you know, okay, this is kind of what I was I was hoping for? <laughs> um, we have a, a, a live Zoom call tomorrow night for NUST members. There'll be up to 500 people on that call and I'll be able to give a bit of an update then on that one. Fantastic. And well, let's talk about that because this is going to be um, another big event for you guys and obviously hosted by the Athletics George Colkin but um, it's it's a good way to communicate it's a good way to show that United front which you guys have also been promoted on Twitter and Facebook with all the other fan groups which again is I think putting the takeover aside it's a great uh, sign of how far the trusts may become in uniting uh, what at times can be a very uh, argumentative fan base yeah, definitely. It's been one of the worst things in the past 13 years, apart from the dreadful football, the relegations, the slow death of the club, some would say. It's been the fact that, as a group of fans, we almost haven't been able to agree on anything beyond Mike Ashley has been a bad, bad owner and a bad impact on Newcastle United. That's, that's it. In terms of action or, or not action or anything, it's just been beset by infighting. And as someone who, you know, I'm not, I've not really been part of fan groups or anything like that, um, you know, when I have kind of dipped my toe in the water before trying to relaunch the trust like we did, it was just endless WhatsApp groups, endless fighting. And a lot of people with a lot of very good intentions. But, you know, this idea that this group is saying this and they want to release a statement here. And I, I just think it's so positive that in the last week, you know, we've spoke to loads of different um, accounts on Twitter, loads of different um, people who would classify as themselves as fan groups. And, and the message has been clear from us, like, get behind us like this. is if, if we can't unite now in the face of potentially uh, an absolutely massive loss for not just the football club, but for the region, when can we, we may as well give up, uh, you know, in, t- in terms of trying to do anything united as a fan base. And I think for everyone to come together, for, for everyone to support the trust, all these different accounts who had issues with, you know, me or the trust in the past, to, to just put all that aside and be, you know what, this is our fight. We're, we're in this together. You've seen that with the petition as well. That's online now, I think. Is it approaching 90,000 signatures or something absolutely brilliant like that? You know, that's just, that's that's a lot of people coming together to try and do their best for their football club. And for, for a long time, there's been a bit of an accusation that, you know, on Twitter, for example, or Facebook, there's a lot of activism on there, but it hasn't translated into the real world. And I think that that argument can be put to bed now because, you know, I've I, I spoke to an MP this morning and and he said he's never had so many emails on a single subject in his however many years in Parliament, um, ten years or something. I think he's been in in Parliament. He's, he has never had seen anything 
like this from his constituents. And, and that, that tells you all you need to know about the kind of impact that we can make as supporters. And just finally, do you see it having a positive impact? I mean, are you, are you hopeful that at the very least the Premier League will respond and, okay, maybe this seal doesn't get pushed through, but maybe in the long run it changes the, the transparency of the Premier League and it, it changes um, the way football clubs are sold, especially in the top flight? Yeah, definitely. I think it will have an impact. I think, you know, our campaign only really launched yesterday. <laughs> it's already had a, a huge impact. And it, it, the, the key, the, the next steps are the people who we elect into power in this country, holding them to account on our behalf. I think that will happen. Um, I hope it will happen. And I think, you know, I, 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 I keep having to stress this to people, and I'll say it again here, Andrew, is that. This isn't about telling the Premier League what to do. And, and then, trust me, there are lots of Newcastle fans who want to tell the Premier League what to do, and that's fine, that's up to them. But from the trust perspective, all we want is some answers and transparency. The fact that the buyers have been so communicative to us as a support, uh, have been so willing to say, listen, this is what would be an asset, and it's impossible, and, and, and other clubs' involvement, and we were told it would take a maximum of four weeks. There needs to be some answers there about about why it's taken so long and, and why, for example, journalists and national newspapers have been briefed um, relentlessly about the process and you know any, any, any kind of issue that there could be seems to have made its way into the press. This isn't a fair process. All it does is create hysteria and upset amongst football supporters. And this is something that's incredibly important to them. The Premier League should know how important it is to them because they, like, they wouldn't have the success that they have without the fans of Newcastle United and other clubs who care so passionately so it's, it's key for me that the Premier League do the right thing and just come out and say, we don't think that these people are fit and proper to buy this football club in here are our reasons. And I think, like I said, any fan can take that however they want and we would speak to our members, but that's a hell of a lot better than what we've got at the moment. Of course, there are some who will be listening to this say, well, the Premier League could never come out and say that because the reasons wouldn't be reasonable and they would look a little bit silly for them. But, you know, that, that's all speculation, isn't it? And, at the trust, we just want some clarity, and we we meet with the Premier League four times a year with other Premier League football clubs, and the Premier League does us a huge favour, by the way. And the people listening to this now who will have been helped by the Premier League because I think it was in June at the last networking meeting, fans networking meeting, we had to say at the Premier League we've spoke to Newcastle United numerous times about fan ticket refunds. They are not saying anything. Nineteen of the other twenty Premier League clubs have told supporters what is happening in this respect and and Newcastle United haven't said a word within 24 hours the club spoke and I got a call from someone in Newcastle United to say thanks for that if, if the Premier League hadn't given us that much you'd still be waiting so the Premier League I know everyone doesn't like to hear it they can do things for good and they are influential they just need to start representing fans rather allegedly than the top six football clubs only and just finally, Alex, can you just give us a bit of insight into, uh, obviously, you spoke to Mana Steri. What was she like? I mean, um, you know, she's, she's done quite a few written interviews and maybe people have seen her during the court case. How did she come across in your phone call? I mean, uh, was she very approachable, welcoming? What, how would you describe, describe her? I was, um, it, was, it was surreal in, in terms of the passion that she has for the football club in the region and the fans of someone who's not from here. And it was just incredible because we've had 13 years of silence pretty much and the things we have heard haven't been great. And, and from a really 
weird perspective, Andrew. It was like, here was someone talking about the fans in Newcastle United as this massive positive rather than a hindrance. Like you hear in the national media, pressure, taunt, you know, you can't please them. She was just blown away by the support that she had heard from trust members, the survey that we did in terms of the whole, you know, the whole thing. She was just absolutely passionate. She was also devastated. She was also hugely, you know, upset about the fact that it had come to this point. They thought, you know, they would have been backing at the football club by now. They would have brought everyone off a of furlough. They thought they could have avoided any redundancies that have been made at the club. So, so, so she's wanting to make a real, a real difference in people's lives there in the northeast of England. Um, and she was passionate, and that's the key word. It was, it was passion. It was like, wow, <laughs> this is someone who, who kind of gets it from our perspective. It's like this is all about passion, and that's what football's supposed to be about. The kind of like grey, cold, uncommunicative Newcastle United that we we'll have now, who don't seem to want to speak to supporters or engage or, or talk us up. Um, that was. That wasn't there. It was like it was a completely different thing. So it was a pleasure to speak to her. I hope I'll speak to her again. Um, and I hope next time there's there's some sort of good news. Fingers crossed. And I guess just a, a final chance to um, plug tomorrow night's meeting. I mean, how many spaces are left? I assume it's it's filling up quite nicely. Yeah, there might be none by the time this goes. I think there's over thirty. At <laughs> <laughs> the time, there's four hundred and seventy people or whatever registered. Um, we'll, we'll flip it on the head then um, what about uh, joining the trust and, and just let, let people know again how they can join the trust and uh, you know the cost of that and, and, and what, what they get out of it really yeah and, and just, just to touch on the meeting last night it is going to be broadcast live on, on Trianora's uh, YouTube channel we are going to have audio recordings and videos available afterwards so anyone who can't make it or isn't a trust member will still be able to see what was said see what's been spoken about in terms of joining the trust, head to nufctrust.co.uk. There is a one-pound fee, which gives you a, a share in the trust for life. Um, and then there's a one-pound recurring annual membership fee, so it's two pounds to sign up. Um, and then it's one pound thereafter every year. Uh, and for that, you can you can be part of the trust. You can be part of our collective voice. You, you know, if if we'd gone to MPs with only a thousand members, we wouldn't have had the the impact that we've had so far. And it's the same with the Premier League. If the Premier League know that the Trust is speaking for 100,000 Newcastle supporters as opposed to 14,000, 14,000 is a tremendous number. Um, it just makes it just makes our voice loud. It doesn't mean that everyone has to agree on everything. It doesn't mean that you have to think a certain way. It exists for you. It's open, democratic and transparent. We'll have elections later this year for positions on the board once again. So, like, And anyone, you don't have to live in Newcastle or even the, the UK to, to get involved. It's, it's a worldwide organisation that tries to give Newcastle United fans a voice with the football club, with the Premier League and with anyone. It's, try, it's, it's that point. And if you look at the, the survey we did, 96.7% of members voted back in April, I think it was, in favour of this takeover. Um, that, that has been, that survey has gone around the world. The, you know, it, it was hard to read an article about the takeover in a national or international article without that being referenced and that's because of the membership that we have and it's because of the voice that we have and we could only do it with people like you listening um, it's only a pound you know give it a go um, we exist for you mm-hmm.